A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, Episode 53. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week on Insight Sunday we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. My Story Tuesday conversation with Wilson was so packed and full of great discussion that I just had to share it all with you in two parts. In part one of our conversation this past Sunday, Wilson talked about lessons he learned the hard way from solopreneurship, about burnout, and creating and maintaining cultures that lead to incredible performance in teams and organizations. If you haven't yet, go back and check out episode 49 before jumping into the conclusion today. In part two of our conversation today, Wilson shares his experience and perspective with angel investing and what businesses need to be investable. We wrap up with another couch round in which Wilson reflects on mistakes and growth as a business founder and leader. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a six or seven plus figure business and experience a drag or dip in your growth, if you notice diminishing engagement or passion in your business, if you want to eliminate exhaustion and burnout in yourself or your teams, if you sense that you or your company would grow faster and stronger if you could just pivot efficiently and effectively when circumstances change like they have so much in 2020, then you've got an adaptability problem. Adaptability coaching and consulting will give you and your business the psychology and neuroscience-backed tools to understand and leverage core adaptability skills through the unique 3D adaptation framework. You can learn to harness and leverage core adaptability skills to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to turn tough circumstances, reactions, and exhaustion into energy, excitement, and excellence for you and your company. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching or dryishai.com slash consulting. So I'm curious to hear a little bit more about how you help entrepreneurs, leaders, companies. What is your approach? How do you help them? And how do you think about that? I'm reflecting on your question. And we do talk about that very frequently. So 
There is one, one approach that's very common with people that I talk with. So I believe in, in the whys, the why, 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 the why, why you do what you do. So I'm a big fan of when you really know why you're doing it, you know your purpose and you wake up, you know, motivated. You wake up keen to do it. So it's pretty common for me from getting to know a entrepreneur or a business leader that I'm approaching to, you know, to try to help, to try to mentor, to try to coach. So it's very common that one of the first things that I approach or that I explore is to figure out what their real motivations are, why they do it, and invite them to do a kind of reflection and a deep reflection to find where that motivation comes from. I find, you know, in my experience that that conversation can be easier with some people and very, very hard with some other people. So I'm learning mm. with that experience that I do need to respect different types of personality, different unconscious motivators, you know, as a, and I think it's not at the beginning, I had that sort of perception that you know, one size fits all. Everybody needs that sort of purpose. But I do find that some people really get anxious when they force too much in that sort of thinking. Mm. Right? So that brings me to something else. So one is, yes, so I do love to help people. And I start with that conversation about, you know, so the big dream, the why, the, you know, the purpose behind. So. With the experience that I just mentioned, so I ended up, you know, realizing that one size fits all realities that, that doesn't exist, right? So that's where diversity, innovation it comes to play. That's where I explore those conversations, uh, experimenting different avenues and try to understand better, you know, the perspective of where the people are coming from. Instead of trying to make them think about why, 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 so actually trying to learn more about the people and in doing that, respecting the diversity, trying to adapt to, you know, to what is going to suit more that person. It's a bit of, uh, you know, you, you like the analogy, it's a bit of uh, consultants have a very bad reputation for bringing the solution for a problem that doesn't exist, mm. you know, and... Maybe what I'm trying to say is that the approach changes a bit to just taking that only approach of finding the purpose to having the approach to really understand the problem or understand the person, understand where they're coming from. So I can then try to innovate and think about different ways to explore how to help. Mm, so I'm hearing a couple of things I think are really important. One is to acknowledge or understand that many times consultants are seen as people who try to provide solutions before they know what the problem is. And to really invert that, flip that around and say, let's really understand who you are, where you are, what you're coming from and what's going on for you or what's going on for your business. Start there. And from there to then move on to, well, what will be helpful or what will move you towards your goals or what will help you grow your business uh, or what will help you overcome the challenges that you're currently facing. And the other part that I'm hearing is that it's really important to recognize and understand that people come from different perspectives, different backgrounds. And you talked about that in terms of the diversity and also in terms of some people are more willing 
to more immediately think and talk about why am I in this? What does this matter to me? Why is it important? Or what is it I'm trying to do? And, and what's the deeper personal motivation? Some people that can feel really intrusive and they might get really defensive or avoidant or anxious. And that might not be a way in which they're comfortable thinking. At the same time, you can still listen to them in a different way, learn more about their perspective. And that can also help shape that process that you were talking about, starting from understanding rather than starting from dictating a solution. Pretty much it. That's pretty much it. And I, I like the way you refer to perspective of the other person of not necessarily being ready yet to come in that journey. Yeah, that reminds me of one other question that I wanted to ask you about. I know that, and we haven't talked so much about this, but I know that you, some work with the Perth Angels. And I wanted to ask, at what point is a an entrepreneur or a company ready, perhaps not exactly this journey, but ready to be on a journey with an investor? I love that question. So someone else put that question to me some time ago, and I tried to write about it. So listeners, if you go to the Perth Angels website, you might see a tentative from me to actually explain or help entrepreneurs to understand whether they are investment ready. Mm -hmm. So I think you should, there are so much myths and, you know, and, and different perceptions of what it is to be entrepreneur and whether you need to have an investor or not. So the ecosystem, the innovation ecosystem is getting a bit more mature to understand that there are several avenues, you know, uh, uh, you can be bootstrapped, which is, you know, your own business, fund your own business instead of, uh, instead of going after investors. So to give you a little bit more directly, for even if I'm talking a perspective of angel investors, angel investors, there are two key things. Well, there are more, but I'll, I'll focus on two key things that they're looking for in business. One, of course, they're interested in the return of investment, right? So, and because startups are very risky, you know, the journey of startups are very uncertain and most of them we know that ended up failing. So we want to have growth multiples, you know, that sort of scalability. So if you have a business that you're able to articulate where there will be that growth and scalability of your business, so you have one very important tick. So you need to articulate that and in a way that the investors will agree with you, will, you know, will trust that you have that in your business. That's just, you know, growth, scalability. The other one, uh, a very big motivation for angel investors is that they want to contribute beyond money. So we want to be part of the journey. We want to help to succeed. So that can be in a form of, Maybe you understand what that group of angel investors are more familiar with. Uh, it could be that there is a sector that they use to invest more. You know, I know angel groups that are more focusing fintechs. And the better you find that fit of the industry you are and the preference of that group of angel investors, the better you, you find that fit, I think you're more likely to be successful in and be investor ready for that group because they will see where they can help you. So a couple of things I'm hearing that you're focusing on. One is 
being able to show and provide evidence of growth and scalability both in the past and in the present, and also that there's room to continue growing and scaling. And then the second one is finding a fit because different investors have different areas of specialty, expertise, or passion. And when angel investors get involved, they're not just handing you money and saying, okay, uh, I expect to get more back from you. That's not the deal. The approach and the interest is to be part of the process, the transformation. And so one part of it is risk mitigation, reducing the likelihood of risk. And then the other side of it is also the experience of building that relationship and helping the company build and grow and seeing that process of growth and being a part of it, not just being, uh, I'll use another analogy, not just being the uncle who shows up once a year with an expensive gift, but to really be the person, not always, not all the time, but a kind of go-to person who is there with wisdom, who's there with experience, who can be part of that process. And through that being in it, in a way, maybe even kind of join the family, as we were talking about before on Insight Sunday, and then also to be able to experience that growth, not just separate from themselves, but being a part of it along the way. That's very common in groups of angel investors. That is a characteristics of that in a group of investors. So if I can share to your audience as well, an example is one of the big, very big passions of myself is education. So more and more I am exploring, you know, solutions in education and how can we, education is an industry that haven't moved from the traditional education for years. So you can say still not disrupted as it could be. And the way I'm grateful for my journey in terms of, you know, one of the reasons why I enjoy my journey and I think I had a successful one is because of my education. And I want to contribute for education to be more democratic, you know, for to, to more people to have access to that. So if you have a startup that's actually trying to address that problem, so you're going to convince me much easier, I guess. Hmm. So you're sharing with us your own personal passion and wheelhouse in terms of education, especially because it's an industry that has in a lot of ways become solidified and hasn't been disrupted and isn't necessarily working in the way that it could be. And so there's a kind of ripe opportunity for disruption. And that's something that you personally have a deep interest, passion in. And so I really appreciate the invitation. And so for anyone out there, if you are at a place in a position for that, just want to note that there's an invitation here, a possibility for connection. So thank you so much for that, Wilson. And with that, I wanted to jump into another couch round and then we'll wrap up. Let's go for it. All right. So I wanted to ask, what is one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you were getting started? As perception of time. Mm. When I started, I think I needed to do quick, I think, to achieve this much by now when I'm 30 years old. Mm -hmm. And suddenly with experience, it's more and more true that the life doesn't start until you're 40. Mm. So I think that's one good thing, the perception of time and the urgency completely changes the perspective. Mm. Thank you for sharing. Next question, from your perspective, what's the difference between a mistake and failure? Oh, so I'm, I'm thinking twice here because 
I don't know if I'm going to go into a buzzword. Look, I'll take the risk to, to mention that mistake happens, right? So we imperfect. So we try to do our best, but then mistakes will happen. So I'm not too worried about the mistakes. It's only when the behavior is that behavior where the effort and the care is not there. So when the mistake happen, you know, when effort and care is not there, mm. is when, you know, I would see a mistake as a problem. But it happens. We're not perfect. And failure, I don't want to be repetitive of what we hear in the books, but, I, you know, failure is just, I don't know if I believe in the concept of failure. So you fail, you learn. I'm very conscious about using that sort of, you know, failure is a learn. So sometimes a failure is just a failure. But things will go wrong. And then you have failures. And as far as, you know, if you build up what, you know, what we call resilience and you learn from that and you stand up again and go for it. So failure is just part of the process. Mm. So I'm hearing there are two different kinds of failure that you think about. One is the kind of textbook failure. And another one is failure that's a learning experience. And the one that you really emphasize that you believe in is that it's really about continuing to learn and grow and develop and recognizing that a lack of success or not getting the outcome that you wanted or hoped for isn't failure. It is an opportunity to learn and address and figure out how to move forward. And that's very different than a failure that might be something didn't go well and then we give up and it's just over. Definitely. Yeah. No. So jumping into the next question. Can you name someone who, when you make a mistake, they'll respond by saying, okay, let's deal with this now and then learn from it for later? So, yes, I can think of about many people in my journey that had that sort of behavior. And, uh, and now that you're asking that question, respect those people even more. I have a profound admiration for my business partner, Monique, and she does exactly that. She doesn't wage on that. So we learn, move on, we do what we have to do and move on. And yeah, that's her. Mm, thank you. Can you name someone who you've learned from their mistakes instead of having to make your own? Mm. So I mentioned about my mom and my grandmother when I talk with you and, and as you know, they have them as a reference uh, in my growing up. So the mistakes I learned from come from the man. So I learned from my dad and my grandpa what not to do. Mm. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Jumping into our next question, what is more important, working in your business or working on your business? So it's on, isn't it? Our business is my passion. I, I love it. I, you know, as I, I enjoy every minute, uh, you know, as we, we reinvent it, we keep going. And, you know, as we're building Visage to over last us to be for future generations and we work on it for it to be stronger and much stronger than ourselves or much important than ourselves is on it, I guess. Yeah, thank you. And last question, what's one thing that's coming up for you or your business that you're working on or really excited about? So, Ishai, we're exploring what coming next through some of our passions. So, one of the things that we exploring is we exploring innovation and diversity a lot in the business. Get innovation in the form of what else can we do? 
and other areas of business or reinvent the way we do consulting and really exploring innovation in that sense. And we're learning more about how diversity is good business. And we are in a journey to mature in the, the contribution of the different people can bring to the business. So that's something that excites me about the future in exploring innovation and diversity and how we make that good business. Yeah. So what I'm hearing there is that exploring different passions and the idea of innovation and diversity being connected is about seeing and thinking differently, that it isn't just about one perspective, that more perspectives actually create and generate. They're generative in terms of having more direction, more opportunities to innovate, to disrupt. That comes from having and taking different perspectives and that therefore will entail valuing more than one, valuing many different perspectives and even perhaps seeking and being open to seeing and recruiting new or different perspectives, which is hand in hand with that diversity. I love the way you put it, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I want to thank you again so much for giving us a peek behind your experiences, your passions about how you see and understand and have learned and worked and created and helped foster startups and businesses. It's really powerful. And I think it's also pretty rare that we learn from the challenges and the pitfalls and the things that didn't always go well or the the really difficult times that businesses, that startups, that entrepreneurs experience, as well as from the successes and all the things that, that turn out really well. So thank you so much for that. And I also want to thank you for listening. I really hope that you have gained a lot from the tremendous breadth and depth of wisdom and experience and perspectives that Wilson has shared today. He's talked about so many important different things. He's talked about his first and second experiences creating companies. He talked today about experiencing burnout and how being a solopreneur and shouldering all the responsibility to do everything himself led to really kind of running his battery down over and over and over again until the point where it can be difficult or impossible to have the passion, the drive to get up in the morning and, and do that. And learning from those experiences to shift behavior, to focus more on self-care and the importance of having non-negotiables. And in addition to that, and perhaps connected to that when it comes to culture, to focus on that process, what happens daily for leaders to be engaging in it, for it to be not just something that is told to people to do, but is lived by everybody in it. And how much work, how much care it is and the importance of not letting go of those values, not letting things slide. And as well as talking about from the investing side, when looking at companies, the importance of both scalability and growth in the past and room to grow, as well as the interest of investors to do more than just hand money over, to be part of that process. And so to find an investor, if you're looking to find an investor who specializes or has a passion in your sector, in, in the area that your business is really addressing. And thank you, Wilson, also for sharing some of your passions and your interests in education and in diversity and in company cultures. So thank you so, so much for that. Thank you, Ishai. I mentioned before that I was a bit anxious about this talk for you know, personal reasons, but I love it. So you, you made me feel very comfortable to have this chat. 
and it was a pleasure to be part of it. Thank you. Such a pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 